My check, 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 one, two, one, two. Brian, Brian, can you hear me? Brian, Brian, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, brother. Let me introduce the show for the listeners at home on the radio, and then we'll get right into it, okay? Yeah. All right, you listen to ATL Talks Radio, Atlanta's number one streaming talk radio station. This is the Barrington Report. I am Barrington Martin II. Today, we have a special, special, special guest and a special show for all of my listeners. It's, it is primed to be a very, very, very good episode and a very good hour of your evening. Tonight, I will be having the good brother, Brian Fail. Did I say your last name right, Brian? Brian Fail, P.F. I-L. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, Brian Phil yep. is a journalist previously reporting for Newsmax and the Long Island Herald. He's seen in the Federalist Town Hall, American Greatness, and the New York Sun. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please give some love, some honor and respect to Mr. Brian Phil. Thank you for joining me on the Barrington Report, sir. Thank you, Barrington. Anytime, anytime. So... I really believe and I really feel we can get started in a lot of places. So um, give my listeners a brief introduction of who you are, um, your writing, your reporting, your journalism, um, and just where you are right now in the world in respect to media. Okay. Um, I guess we'll start from the beginning. Um, I used to be a reporter for the Long Island Herald, and I did community journalism. So that's very, you know, intimate journalism. Uh, then I transitioned to corporate media and I worked for uh, Newsmax. Uh, I was a digital news reporter. Um, much of what I did was uh, just news writing, no opinion, uh, no stuff like that, just uh, straight up news. Um, then after that, I uh, decided to do freelance work. And uh, for that, a lot of it is uh, editorials, uh, you know, opinion. Uh, I've written for several different conservative outlets, um, uh, but of recently, we've uh, I've uh, had uh, some trouble with some of my publishers. Uh, one particular uh, town hall, and um, uh, I, I don't know where we can go from from there. That whole conversation, but uh, that's kind of where I stand right now uh, with what happened with town hall, and uh, I'm trying to you know. Uh, work with other outlets but they are of the similar mindset they're they're mostly zionist outlets so if you say anything that really talks about that stuff it, it better be in a positive light um and that has been uh, my difficulty finding work right now so uh i'm just kind of relying on a Substack and uh hoping for the best i guess um yeah, uh, Barrington, do you want me to dive into the whole town hall thing? Yes, yes, because I have questions, and the way I want to structure this is so that um, everyone can get an understanding of where you're coming from, um, where you're going. But is, Yeah, you were saying? But specifically, yes, um, like how all of this started. So before we get into the town hall, I guess we can, when my question is going, my questioning, excuse me, is going to lead up to that. But when did you start to first see that there is some type of, I would say, consistent opinion among all of these news outlets and publications that you should have a certain opinion about this certain topic? Uh, 
Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, I would. Yeah, I would say right from the start, uh, community journalism uh, was owned by a Zionist. Uh, I thought he was a great man and everything, you know, and he can, you know, believe what he wants. He, he gave me a great opportunity and uh, I certainly don't regret working there. But I will say uh, the community news was presented, you know, pretty straightforward. It's just that they had additional papers, which uh, kind of sparked my interest. So they were in a different area of the uh, of the whole newsroom. And uh, I, I just noticed it, and I thought it was just very strange that we had uh, we're, we're covering about eight towns, and we have about twelve to fifteen newspapers that are dedicated to uh, a Zionist agenda. I mean, it straight up says on on the title of the paper. I mean, you can even look this up online with the Long Island Herald, and you'll see, you know, that they have these Zionist newspapers within it. Uh, granted, we we did serve some. Uh, you know, uh, some towns and areas that were predominantly Jewish. Um, so I guess that, you know, comes with the territory. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely noticed it right from the start in community journalism. And then uh, corporate media was just a, a different beast in itself. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'll say, for instance, I was trying to write um, an article on uh, Kanye West losing billionaire status. So I did not put in my report that what he said was anti-Semitic. I put it as controversial and something to that extent. I, I, I don't like how the media uses those words and they, they paint a picture of someone that really they don't know. And they're just, they're, they're trying to get more outrage. So I didn't get criticized for this, but when I pass it along to the copy editor, she changed the whole thing around. And uh, again, this is something that you can look up. It's all online. Uh, you type in my name, Brian Fell, Newsmax, Kanye West, and the first article that you'll get is that article. And uh, it, it's just sad that, you know, th there's so much editorial power um, at the top that the reporters don't really have a say on how to present this stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's more interesting that um, on one end, you are not allowed to say certain things. And if you say those things, if you have an opinion, even if that opinion is fair, even that if that opinion is just and based on facts, it comes off the wrong way or we use the, the age-old term um, anti-Semitic. The thing that is very, very peculiar about all of this is that what ends up happening more often than not, in my opinion, is that you can make a valid statement and a person will say that is wrong and then you will end up getting a consequence that proves that the statement that you made is correct. And I think that is very, very interesting. Um, you've written so many articles that I've read and I've also retweeted these articles into the timeline. Your latest article, um, I want to say, well, first of all, first of all, um, I applaud you for being an America first type um, journalist. Um Please talk about some of your most recent articles in um, calling out Zionism and the um, not coincidences, but the commonalities that you've seen um, throughout the media specifically, but throughout the news as well in, in your reporting. Okay. Um, uh, we're, I guess we'll start with um, I, uh, I interviewed this, uh, this guy, this uh, 
I hate to say it like this, but this Hindu guy that uh, wanted to run for president. And obviously it's a reach, but his PR people contacted me and I was just like, okay, let's, let's go for it. And I'm thinking to myself, how can I get a lot of traction on this? And I'm like, let's think about America first. Let's think about, you know, the agenda of America first and, you know, uh, where we would push the buttons on there against the mainstream. Right. And so uh, in this interview, I asked him about going against uh, NGOs and um, certain NGOs like the ADL, the SPLC, and uh, because of what they, what they, what they want to portray on these media platforms. And he agreed with me for the most part. And when I asked him also about Israel, he agreed with me, but then he also said that we need to support them. But I said, if we're on an, if we're on an impasse where it's an America first agenda where we're taking care of American priorities, or is it, um, is it going to be about Israel? And he says, there's no split whatsoever. We'd be taking care of America first. And I said, okay, uh, I'm quoting you on that. And I knew that he was kind of like hesitant to talk about certain things, but his PR person, oh Lord, the stuff he told me, he would never be able to get published in uh, media. Um, but anyway, uh, I noticed just today that they took the picture down from the article. Right. So, I mean, people would think that's not that big of a deal, but, you know, an article is going to get less traction without a picture. Right. And that's, you know, how it's going to be. So then the next article I just wrote about um, uh, Trump's vision of America first and how we need to be careful of the Israel lobby and the associated NGOs. And I also noted that um, our congressmen in New York uh, were meeting with APAC instead of taking care of the gangs that we have here. I mean, I live right by uh, Central Islip, and we have the, the Carlton Click, which is an MS-13, uh, you know, gang. Um, and, uh, and granted, the, the, the DA is very on top of it. He's a very great guy and everything. But uh, I have to say the rest, the reps, they, they, don't, they don't focus on that. So I brought that into the conversation with this editorial and, you know, lo and behold, today we see that they took the picture off. Uh, and then the next one, which I'm really not surprised that they took the picture off of, uh, it was uh, ha having to do with uh, U.S. involvement in Ukraine. And I said it had something to do with an ethnic grievance, um, as in these uh these these prominent jewish leaders that we have in government um that we have in government were taking this as uh a personal offense um their I, I guess you would say their jewish ancestry they're thinking of um was discriminated against uh in in much of russia and they, they it seems they still hold that attitude that russia is the soviet union and obviously, it's it's far from it, right. um, and it just seems like they're, they're they're pushing on that, and they won't get past that. And it's just kind of ironic because they tell other people to forget other things, uh, which is uh, you know really telling. But yeah, they um, they took the picture off of there, um, and there's a few other articles that they haven't gotten to yet. Um, you know, after that, I started diving into uh, ban the ADL. And that whole hashtag, and it, it kind of like ignited things with me. Um, so I ended up writing uh, three articles on that. Uh, three of them were published. 
but one was removed from Town Hall. Uh, I was contacted by the publisher of Town Hall. Now, this never happens. I have never experienced uh, anything like this. Uh, usually, it's the editors that go to you and they'll they'll tell you there's something wrong with the article or there's an issue with this or that. Um, there's an inconsistency. Usually, it won't get published then, you know, to begin with. Right. But this was published, and then he saw this article. I guess maybe it was trending on Town Hall or something, and then they took it down. And then they went a step further. They took down the uh, the archive of uh, the Google archive of it, which is uh, shows that they were very annoyed by that. And um, I, I can't get a hold of anyone from Town Hall now, uh, and they owe me the money still. And uh, wow. they're just they're acting like they don't even know me. Even the people on Twitter that you see that are from Town Hall, uh, I've contacted a few of them, and some of them in the past would have uh, conversations with me, but now they don't want they, they don't want anything to do with me. Um, and I don't think I said anything that that was you know too aggressive, maybe emotionally charged, but yeah, let, let's be real; these people are acting like you know they are God's gift, and, and they certainly do think that. And you know you. You can't say anything. You can't say anything, no criticism whatsoever. Even if you're saying, okay, I have a problem with Zionists. And Zionists include uh, Christians as well. Uh, it's just, it's absurd. Any little criticism is viewed as anti-Semitism, and then they just cancel you. That's that's it. They'll take you out, especially in media. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just another world. And I thought, you know, working at Newsmax would have been different because uh, I know the CEO. Uh, he, he was a graduate of, graduate of my high school, and we went to uh, a Catholic all boys school. So uh, we have that rapport. But I don't know. I, I, I guess I didn't see the Zionism when I first got there. I was just so excited, you know, uh, working with all these, you know, uh, TV stars and everything. It was pretty cool. But um, then you start to notice, you know, uh, things being a little bit different. Uh, you know, the, the, the CEO brings in a buddy who is associated with, uh, an anti-Semitism, uh, NGO. And, you know, his first day there at the office, they, they put him on the air. It's just like they would never do that with someone, never do that with a producer. And the producers do all the work, which is the funny part. Um, so it's just, it's just, uh, you know, the stories I could tell about that, about working in corporate media, even though it was short. I think it was only about uh, eight months or so. Um, you know, just it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Although, you know, if I had the chance, it's just like, what else? Where are you going to go for a consistent pay? Freelancing isn't where it's at. Um, right. When people say Substack, you have to have a massive following to work at Substack. I, I know even the big follow, the guys that have, a, you know, a big following, they still struggle and they still post, oh, can you give us extra money, this and that. So a lot of people, a lot of reporters, a lot of journalists, they're just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll go with it. And they won't take the chance. I mean, uh, a former colleague of mine was very uh, straightforward with me. He said, if you decide to go down this path and be America first, then, you know, you're taking a risk. Uh, and you might not be able to get these opportunities later on if you choose to decide to go the other way. So what made you choose America first and understanding the consequences? Because um, this is a two-part question. And being a journalist, the First Amendment is your best friend. The First Amendment, being able to speak truth to power, especially being an investigative journalist, is going to allow you to be able to um, 
make your bread and butter. However, it seems that in our society, as I have stated a lot of times on this show and just in social media in general, we lie to ourselves about the freedoms we possess. So I want to know, and you seeing everything that's occurring and you having these experiences and you seeing everything that's happening in the world and the reality that exists that you literally in America cannot speak the truth in respect to certain things. How does that make you feel as a journalist? And also where does that, how do you navigate that as a journalist? Well, I, I would definitely say it's, uh, it's very frustrating that, you know, we have to hold our tongue on, on certain issues. Um, and, you know, what I found is if you, can kind of finesse a story. You can kind of get away with it. Um, like there was a story I was reading from the Daily Caller the other day that kind of, uh, you know, finessed the idea of um, having uh, a non-intervention policy. And, uh, you know, he, he was telling me, actually, this, this author, he was telling me that uh, he pitched it to the Federalists and they weren't happy about his, his non-interventional stance which is, you know, not surprising to me. They're, they're Zionist, neocon uh, types. But, you know, I, I guess I guess for me, I, I always wanted to just get the truth out there. And when it came down to uh, town hall, I, I saw, I, I just saw a, uh, a way to get the America First agenda out there and to present it to, to you know, people that were, that, that are, I mean, in a corporate, um, a corporate media outlet that would be push, pushing America, America first agenda instead of, you know, this globalism that, um, they seem to be stuck on. Um, and I, I guess it really, it really wasn't too much of a decision to me because my opinion is, you know, uh, of a, of a paleo conservative America first. Um, so I didn't find that hard to write about it. Uh, especially because of most of what that stuff that I was saying um, was editorial. And so it was my, my personal opinion. So that's why the whole town hall thing was a significant breach because that was uh, an opinion article that got taken down. Now, if it was news reporting, news reporting, uh, obviously I'd be very different, but sometimes you can get away with kind of skewing the message to uh, an America first agenda really depends on the topic. Um, um, like you can really a- emphasize uh, a certain congressman um, as being, you know, America first. And you can even say that and sometimes in the articles. And that's the way that I would do it when I was at Newsmax. And they didn't really have a problem with it. Um, but, yeah, when it comes down to uh, criticisms and whatnot, uh, that's, a, that's a different story. Um, it's like, you know, I, I'm not going to pitch an article. Uh, to my editor at Newsmax about uh, anti-Zionism, I mean, that'll get destroyed. He'll be like, nobody's interested in this. And I'll be like, everyone is. Uh, I, I mean, there have been times like that, but not about Zionism, about other topics. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems like there's, at least in corporate media, um, nothing's off limit, limits besides uh, Zionism and Jews. You can say whatever you want about whatever demographic you can even use uh, euphemisms at times and you can get away with it. But when it comes to them, then it's severely different. Um, and, you know, you, you'll, you'll get labeled and you'll get blackballed. And if you did that as a reporter, oh, my God, I, I don't know what would happen to you. If you did that at like News Corp, Fox News 
or uh, the, the um, I mean, I did do something similar to this with the New York Sun. And regrettably, you know, uh, it really uh, hit me in the ass. But uh, that is, um, well, well, the New York Sun, they are a Zionist outlet. So I need to set that forward. They are the premier Zionist outlet. And somehow I, I landed my, my first freelancing gig with them. And it was nearly impossible to get an article published with their with their editors. They were so strict. But um, I pitched them a story on anarcho tyranny, if you know anything about that. And uh, anarcho tyranny, I believe it was the idea was founded by San Francis. If I'm, I might be wrong, Barrington. I'm not too sure offhand. Um, I'd have to search um, anarcho tyranny. Anarcho tyranny. Let's see. I'm just. I want to get the guy's name so I have this right. I think you're yes, right. Yes, it was in Chron- yes. It was in Chronicles. San Francis. So San Francis has been deemed as a uh, white supremacist by all these NGOs and everything. So I, I, I pitched this to a Zionist outlet. It's just kind of like walking into the door and you know, you know, hitting your face. Of course, they're going to deny it from from a so-called or. Uh, so, so-called deemed uh, a white supremacist. And I think that's why they didn't really want to work with me further. But then again, I lost interest in how they write. They write like the New York Times. And, you know, to me, that's not really interesting. I guess that's uh, interesting for a Sunday read, but I want something that's more exact, like The Hill, um, something that present, presents all the data, like right there. But, um, you know, being in America first, I, I don't think that's been... Uh, too much of a difficulty uh, with reporting and news writing. I think it's with opinion. Um, that's that's where it's at. Um, but you know that that's kind of where you can get your influence. You're you're not going to be getting a lot of following from, you know, doing reports all the time. Uh, people want to hear some commentary, and you can mesh it in there. And usually, that's what I do with some of my reporting. Um, like I, uh, I I did a bit of it in, in my last report. Um, but not too much. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it really depends. Um, like I know, uh, I know a lot of different, uh, commentators that, that do, uh, they do editorial, they have columns for Newsmax, they have columns for Town Hall, and they all know what happened to me. And, you know, they didn't, de- they didn't really defend me, which was the very sad thing. Um, but I wasn't too surprised in the sense that, you know, these people are looking out for their own career as well. And they got, you know, a comfortable column with their own name on it so they can publish whenever they want. But I will say uh, the dissident right uh, has been very supportive, uh, you know, during that time. And, you know, I did uh, did the interview with Stu Peters, which was pretty cool, you know. Um, he's, he's an interesting guy, I'll say. Very, uh, very interesting. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh he's jarring at times, I guess. But um, I don't know. It's 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 weird how everything unfolded. Uh, but I I don't think my principles would have been any different, um, considering the outcome. That's very interesting. You said that because 
Um, the next question I want to ask you is that what is the cost of truth in today's American society? I say this because, you know, our First Amendment is the freedom of speech. And when you are not allowed to call out specific things, even if what you're calling out is the honest truth and a fair and just criticism, it tends to show that there is a power struggle or even a power structure that is in play that is preventing you from being honest, but more so than anything else. It shows that there is um, someone or a group who has their thumb over the entire American public. How does America become America again? Or or has America ever even been America in respect to what we see taking place in our society right now, especially uh, within news media? Well, I, I think this has always been an issue in uh in media, I'd say since the beginning of broadcast media, um, it's just that we were not aware of it because a lot of people, you know, didn't fully understand these things, these, uh, these di- different, uh, interlooping, uh, ideologies in place. Um, and also they, they did not, you know, view them as adversarial, uh, in nature. I guess it only became, uh, more prominent and, uh, you know, aware to us. Because I think one thing that we can see as a result of Zionism is, um, or the, the neoconservative Zionist agenda, is uh, immigration. And we have people coming from, you know, all over. Um, I think it was just the other day I was seeing a video of a guy from India coming from the southern border. And I'm just amazed, like, where, why are these people coming here, first of all? Um, I, I mean, granted, there is, you know, opportunities and everything. But... We, we are displacing people in the Middle East. There's no doubt about that. So as, as to your question in regards to restoring media to where it should be, um, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think it was ever at a good place. I think corporate media has been pure propaganda. And that's me even working in, in corporate media. Like the reports, some of these guys get done in like, I don't know, like a half hour. There's no real, uh, you know, checking of it. And, you know, I got that complaint with my editor, you know, over checking this stuff and spending too much time on a story. And I I thought that was that's a ridiculous complaint. I'm just trying to verify it to make sure it's all good because it's being published under your name. So. um, And the agenda, the agenda is, you know, it's very simple. I mean, it's just Western media is, is Zionist media, and that shouldn't be so controversial to say, like if it was Christian, you know, I would say that. Or if it was, if it had other, some other sort of agenda, I, w- I would say it. I don't know why it's just, uh, it's like a curse word to say anything about Zionism, to say that they have power. And it's weird because you see groups like APAC, they, they put videos out there of how many people that they, they endorse and they ended up getting uh, elected. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Um, and, you know, if I, if I had to go further on it, I don't understand why Christians are supporting the Zionists either. Uh, I don't understand that at all because, you know, if we're looking at the literal translation of uh, Israel in the Bible, we're, we're looking at as as being the church, not not the land that that was created in uh, what is it, 1948? Absolutely. Like, that's that's ridiculous. That's that's so ridiculous. It's weird. It's like a cult. Absolutely. I personally feel like that things are getting lost 
in the religious side. For example, as many times as I stated, and I was very clear on this show as, as well as Twitter, that um, Zionism and Judaism is not one and the same. And oftentimes you hear people who are not well-read or educated on this subject have a, the tendency to say, no, they are the same. Or you will see Nikki Haley or other politicians state that being anti-Zionist is being anti-Semitic. And of course, we've seen that word been just thrown around so many times that it's losing its impact kind of like racist is racism is and words like that now i want to bring something to your attention that i felt that was interesting in respect to uh, first amendment rights so in 2020 the twitter account or the x account excuse me of the prime minister of israel stated on february 12th three years ago prime minister benjamin netanyahu whoever boycotts us will be boycotted the u.n human rights council is a biased body that is devoid of influence not for nothing have i already ordered the severing of ties with it he then goes on to say it was also not for nothing that the american administration has taken this step together with us in recent years we have promoted laws in most u.s states which determine that strong action is to be taken against whoever tries to boycott israel so I started digging on this because this was very interesting because as far as I'm concerned, um, boycotting was a very, very big political statement within America. And it's being a very important asset of the First Amendment. I then go check out the Jewish Virtual Library and it's the title is Anti-Semitism State Anti-BDS Legislation. It says to date. 37 states have adopted laws, executive orders, or resolutions designed to discourage boycotts against Israel. Separately, the U.S. Congress has considered anti-boycott legislation in reaction to the BDS movement. The Senate passed S-1, which contained anti-boycott provisions on January 29, 2019. This was a year before those tweets, by a vote of 74 to 19. The House passed a resolution condemning the boycott of Israel on July 24, 2019, by a vote of 398 to 17. No federal law was adopted. In May of 2023, Senators Marco Rubio, Bill Cassidy, Mike Braun, Rick Scott, Bill Haggerty, and Steve Daines reintroduced the Combating BDS Act of 2023 in May of 20, excuse me, in May of 2023. The main objection to such laws was that they might violate the First Amendment. But get this, the Supreme Court effectively rejected this argument when it refused to hear a challenge to an appeals court ruling that the anti-boycott law in Arkansas was not unconstitutional. Other challenges to state laws have also been dismissed by appeals courts. States are listed below by the date adopted anti-BDS measures. Do you guys see this right now that you cannot even have a boycott against this nation? What type of power, Brian, does this show that this nation has within our own country? Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty blatant. Um, the, the amount of power is just... Uh, it's remarkable. It really is. And I would say to the academics who are constantly preaching to the young kids, oh, we need to feel fear white supremacy. That's the thing. Uh, no, no, it appears there is a supremacy. It's just not white. Uh, it's clearly connected to Zionism. This, this is a Jewish supremacy. This is how I see it, at least. And I think I'm looking at it with pretty rational eyes. I mean, this is just absurd to have uh, such laws in place and, and even just the support and everything. It's just, it's just been a, a real roller coaster for the past, uh, what was it we say like three or four weeks now since that, that attack. Right. It's just, and, and just the mobilization of our government to take care of this is just, 
if that doesn't wake you up, then I think you, you need to get checked out by a neurologist or something. Like, it's just, it's absurd. It's really absurd. And I don't know if it's just a normie thing. I don't know if it's a, uh, a some sort of a cultish uh, Christian thing, but it, it, it's, it has nothing to do with Christianity, which is the funny part. I, I just don't understand it. And that is the, uh, and I think a lot of people that support Zionism don't understand it. And I guess when I say, I need to clarify my words on this. When I say that I don't support Zionism, I don't support my government, the American government, funding Zionism. And I don't think it should if it's some sort of religious belief, but it really isn't a religious belief. It's a political idea. And um, there's just no room for it. We need to take care of, you know, the America stuff first. And it's just so weird that that this whole thing has uh, constructed such a, a massive nationwide uh, you know, uh, division over this, um, even among, you know, Christians versus Christians, Christians versus Jews, and even Jews versus Jews. It's a, it's a very strange thing. And I, I just, I don't know what, what, what it would take, um, to educate people on this, but I mean, like, let's be honest, if they, if they were to get some sort of education from it, it'll, it'll be from the top. It'll be from Ben Shapiro. He's going to tell us all the truth about Israel and everything. And uh, nobody else is going to be allowed to say anything. It's just, uh, it is remarkable. And, you know, I, I I did contact one of my former professors about this. And I said, is this the supremacy you've been talking about? No response, of course, because uh, it's on her, uh, her university account. So I'm sure she doesn't want to get in trouble for that. But let's be real. Like, it's right in front of us. And we can't say it. Absolutely. And that's the, that is the craziest thing about it. Over the last month or so, this has been one of the most eye-opening, I would say, eras or um, aspects of this entire conflict that is happening in the Middle East. I've watched people be, be deplatformed. I watched people lose business. I watched people be, um, immediately, immediately jump um, to the side of the Zionist side. I've watched um people be lambasted for even having a proper opinion against it. So it goes to show and it goes for everyone to see that this idea of America that we have, where this is the quote unquote land of the free home, of the brave, it comes with some fine print. And again, it's very interesting to me to just watch things um, take place as they have been over the last month or so. And it's very interesting to see where things will go as you know, we continue this conflict in the Middle East, and as we see, news media continues to be news media and, and um, push out propaganda towards one particular side. Where do you think um, the media will look like when this all said and done? If it's all said and done, do you think that people will eventually start to see what's really going on, or will people double down um, into the propaganda, into the programming? Uh, I think it's. It's um, if we're talking about the audience, that's that's one issue uh, uh, on how they're going to respond to it, which I, I, I don't know. I think maybe the biggest changes are going to be through uh, generations. I think Gen Z is going to rise up and really uh, be the mounting force. Um, but when it comes to corporate media, I think corporate media is dying out to begin with. Um you know, uh, I, I, I don't think any of these corporate media outlets are doing that well. 
Uh, I think they got, you know, some, some interesting commentators, but we can get on, interesting commentators on, on Rumble, like, to, to be honest. And we don't, we don't, we don't really need that. And I think they see that and they are trying to get more edgier. Like I noticed at Newsmax, most of the producers were very, very young, um, younger than me. They're, they're Gen Z, no doubt. So I, I think they, they're wanting that, but there's a certain reality that they're, they're not going to get that edginess, uh, especially with the lines that they've drawn. Um, and they can't, they can't go past that. Um, as, as per the audience and their exposure, I mean, did people wake up right away after, uh, the Iraq wars? I don't, I don't think so. I think it took a little time. Um, I think it took a little push from certain politicians, uh, certain influences. Um, so I, I think that whole issue with how people consume their media, uh, may not be different in time. Um, I, I think this conflict is going to last for a bit. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe five to 10 years, maybe even longer. We, we don't know how it's going to escalate. It really depends on who's president next. And, um, like if we're being honest, uh, Trump, Trump is pro-Zionist. So I, I just don't know how he's gonna, you know, make amends with his promises for no wars and, you know, having the Israel lobby on his back. Uh, like I really just don't know, to be honest. And, you know, I, I like to have my faith in him, and he's the guy that I'm going for. Uh, definitely would not go for uh, DeSantis. I know that he he's a Zionist through and through, so we know where that would end up. Um, but I, I think in the end, I think the GOP is going to be pushing heavily for a, uh, a neocon uh, and somebody that, you know, wants, wants the war, wants to get involved in it. And I think they're going to start to curb the messaging. Uh, I don't know. They're going to get creative. Um, but I think, you know, it's going to be all about who is for Israel and who is not. And then they're going to try to, like, level it out. And I think when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, press relations with just r- regular normie people on the street, I think they're going to minimize that. Um, I, because I was watching the local news and they were saying that there were people that were uh, anti-Semitic. And they interviewed this, you know, this, this boomer, this older lady that's from uh, my area. And um, they're asking her, what, 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 what does she think should be uh, occurring right now? And she says, we need to focus on the border. We need to focus on what is occurring in our country, crime, inflation. We need to take care of th- this stuff first. And the news broadcaster is saying, yeah, very anti-Semitic. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? This is the weirdest thing. This is so weird. And, you know, uh, it's funny because, you know, I used to make jokes about this stuff to uh, my family and they they always be like, oh, that's absurd. There's no way that this is going on, that APAC has control of this and that. And then when they saw like the complete change of force, um, you know, it's funny. My phone was ringing off the hook that day when that happened. And it was from my brother. And he's just like, you, you called it. You called that, the, that they would uh, mobilize so fast and that they would do this. And I'm like, Tom, you got to wake up, dude, come on. And he's like, I don't, I don't think he gets it. I think, you know, a lot of people, they, they think Zionist means Jew and vice versa. Uh, although there is a large majority of Jews that are Zionist, it doesn't mean the same thing. And I don't, I don't think it should be pointed that way. Um, and that's why, you know, I was even telling Stu Peters, we need to be very careful, very careful with how we present things to the public very careful with our words yes 
Um, because, you know, one thing out of place, you know, it can be uh, viewed as this or that. And, you know, I, I get that criticism from time to time with my editorials. People will email me and say this or, you know, I noticed this. And then I'll be like, okay, well, uh, I, I, I'll be more aware <laughs> next time. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's like we don't know where we're headed, uh, especially with, you know, the election coming up and everything. Everything is up in the air, and it's a, it's a very scary time, I think, to be an American, uh, just in general. Absolutely. Um, before I forget, people, a lot of people don't know that Trump is one of the biggest Zionist politicians um, of this era, so, so to speak. There's even a, you can Google this, there is a... Um, article i forget on what website but it talks about the top 10 zionists in business or the top 10 billionaire zionists that's what it is the top 10 billionaire zionists and donald trump is one of them which is which is crazy right but um what i wanted to say is that i am in total agreement that we have to be careful with words for example if a black person came to you um specifically to a conservative or in a political sense, told a person that, yes, I believe that black lives matter, then automatically that person would believe that that person is attached to the group BLM, right? And I think the same thing is happening with the word and the usage of Zionists. I think that um, Zionists basically hide themselves or cloak themselves within Judaism, so any type of fair criticism they get, they can automatically say, see, that's anti-Semitic. Yet, on the back end, they can... the um, the person that they accuse of anti-Semitism can face consequences like no other. And people will still stand around and not say anything because people will automatically say, well, they deserved it because they're anti-Semitic. I personally believe that there needs to be some type of re-education process or people understanding the past in respect to this topic. Because if people don't understand the past and what I mean by the past, I mean real true story history then things won't ever change because today our new speaker of the house um mike johnson um just was able to approve 14 billion dollars towards aid to israel i thought it was very funny because now the ukraine is on the back burner and i wonder how Zelensky feels about this and this is this is so interesting to me simply because we're just throwing money around to these other countries yet and still all of the problems continue to persist in America. And, it, and it's, at this point, to me, it seems like we're bleeding out. So in respect to uh, the course of politics and the state of politics, what can happen from a media perspective, from a perspective of a writer? How can you do the best that you can do in order to basically give real solid, truthful information to the people in respect to this conflict? Uh, well, it, it really depends. Um, uh, it's, it's very hard to get past, uh, the, the Zionist gatekeeping. Um, I mean, uh, Candace Owens, uh, tweeted something about, uh, focusing on the border and she got hammered by one of these media outlets. Uh, Lauren Chen, she, she gets hammered too. She got uh, hammered, uh, by the Christian Broadcast Network. No surprise. Um, and Ron Paul as well. And it's just like this guy isn't even in an office. It's just like, <laughs> okay, this is just absurd. Um, I think the, o the only person that, that honestly I think could get away with saying anything is Tucker Carlson. And he, he has alluded to it. I think he, he's aware of it. But like I said, he's very, you know, people that are very intelligent uh, 
are very specific with their words. They're very concise. They don't drag things on. Um, and I think that's why Tucker Carlson does it that way. Um, even though there'll be people such as myself, which will kind of want him to say, you know, straight out. But, you know, the people that are, uh, I guess, just unaware of what's going on, you know, what he's, what he's saying about, you know, America first makes sense, but they don't realize that he's talking about, you know, not having the government fund Zionism. Um, and that's, I guess that's my biggest problem with a lot of these commentators, these big ones. It's like they're saying it, but like to normal people and the average Joe, they're not picking up on that stuff. And those are the people that we need to get on board with us. Um, we don't need, you know, honestly, all these, I mean, we do, we, we do need, you know, high IQ people taking care of things, but we also need, you know, support from the masses and there are audiences. So they're going to go with us. And uh, I think that's that's the big key right there is uh, retaining the audience and the narrative. But, um, I mean, right now, you won't really see too many outlets that are going to go against Zionism. Um, I think there's one, there's uh, Uncaptured News. Uh, that's by a Jewish guy, Dan Cohen. Um, uh, I did one freelance article for him. Uh, I'm still waiting on that, but they are anti-Zionist. And it's Jewish ran um, national file. Uh, I think it's Christian ran, but they are anti-Zionist. Um, and then as for think tanks, the only one that I can think of that would be anti-Zionist is uh, the Charlemagne Institute. They make uh, they write uh, chronicles, chronicles magazine. Um, and I think they're they're like a paleo conservative or old right think tank. So they're they're very good. They're very good. Um, and then the other ones are just, you know, you're going to get dissident right. You're going to get uh, like UNZ. Uh, you're going to get VDARE. And, and people aren't going to read that. The masses aren't going to read that at least. So that's really your problem right there is the audience. You got to gear the messaging to them so that they can appreciate it. And so that also, you know, first they understand it and that you can get past the gatekeepers. Right. Like, um, I mean, like we, we, we could talk about um, like Lucas, Lucas Gage. He has a big account. It's expanding by the day. I saw his Instagram account. Uh, I think it, it quadrupled um, and it, it seemed, seemed overnight and he's doing really well on it. Um, but I guess the thing that, that, that makes me a, a little bit nervous on the whole subject is the fact that he doesn't always use the word Zionist. He says Jews. He's being outright. Right. And I guess as an individual who is secure in his own domain, like that's fine. But then there's another part of me that thinks that our messaging won't be taken 100% seriously because of that. Um, they'll view us as, uh, you know, I, I say dissonant right instead of alt-right because I know alt-right has a connotation to it. Um, it's just very hard to avoid the stigma. And, you know, I think what he's doing is great and everything. And he's really zapping people. He's getting people excited. But, you know, I, I think we, we got to get to a broader audience. And I think that's where I come in. Like a guy like me, what I'm supposed to do when I'm writing, not like what he's doing. He's, a, he's an influencer. I mean, he does his own writing and, and whatnot. And that's, that's great. But I think I'm just trying to get people to get into the mode of thinking that they do not have to be. 100% pro-Israel. Uh, 
you're not you're not commanded to be that way just because you you're conservative or right wing or Republican. That's just absurd. And we need to get people out of thinking that way. And it's going to be very difficult. And it's and it might take years, honestly. Um, I, I know that uh, Lucas has been doing his thing for a while. Um, I was looking at what Canary Mission wrote on him, and I was very surprised. But I wasn't at the same time because I knew Canary Mission would skew him in a really bad direction. Uh, I'm waiting for one of those write-ups on me, honestly. Waiting for one of those profiles from the ADL or something. I, I want one of them <laughs> at this point. Put me on there. So I don't know. It's just um, it's just if you're aware of this power, then you're aware of the consequences of what could happen. Right. And if you're somebody that, like I said, is secure, then this really isn't too much of a problem for you. Um, but if you're someone that's trying to, if you're working for a corporate entity, uh, the likelihood of you keeping that job and putting this stuff online is uh, very low. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, you know, for my situation itself, uh, I wanted to get back into news writing for Newsmax um, because it's a steady flow of money and everything. And I was going to relocate. But I just, I, I don't know. There's a part of me that doesn't want to compromise my values and be with a, a corporate entity that's like that. Um, I have a friend of mine that's always trying to pitch me to work for the New York Post. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. There's Zionists. Uh, and I see the crap that they write um, about people that are pro-Palestine. And he's telling me, just ignore it. Just do it. Just like, okay, you compromise your values too. And he says, I already have. So, you know, that's, uh, that's the whole situation with media. Um, it really... It really depends on the audience and the audience sways. Um, and I think, you know, with the new generation coming in, we might see more of these ideas become more mainstream. Right. But we'll see. See, I think that it is a matter of being like very, very brutally honest about this entire ordeal. So what I mean by that is that we know the truth. Everyone with eyes, even if they're oblivious, can see the truth. That is to say that your livelihood, your job, and even your well-being will be in jeopardy if you have the wrong opinions. However, on the back end, we have the audacity and the tendency to state that this is America, the land of freedom, where we can say whatever we want to say when that is not the case. And I think that there is a certain cognitive dissonance that has, for whatever reason, have been hard to destroy. And I think that when people can just see what's happening and people could just be honest about what's happening, I think that we can move forward. For example, Kanye West is the perfect example of this. His billionaire status was not only taking, taken excuse me, overnight, but we have to basically redefine what it means to be a billionaire in this society. When a, a couple of decisions can be made and your wealth can just be removed, at the blink of an eye, it says a lot about power. It says a lot about wealth in this country, but it says a lot about who or what is in control of this country. And I think that once we diminish that cognitive dissonance, we can move forward. But I think people are so afraid to just basically look up and see what's happening. How do you feel about that? Um. Yeah, uh, I think breaking through is just going to be very difficult in itself, uh, especially among the baby boomers, which, you know, they, they grew up on TV. This was, you know, their living. Um, 
I, you know, you even see it with Gen X. You see it with millennials too. Um, I, I saw on on Instagram an account millennial millennial Republicans, and it's like talking about the students, the the pro uh, Palestine students being evil. I'm like, dude, you're such a boomer here. I'm not gonna lie. This is just outrageous. You're representing millennials like this. Oh man, this is so cringy, unreal. Um, but it it's gonna take a lot. It's there's just so much. There's so like the forces against. The America First movement are just so tremendous that I, I just don't know how you would defeat it. It's just it, it's like a Zionist monster. You can't get past it. Right. It's it, I, I'm just trying to think of all the avenues because they have control over almost every single institution, and you know they even have control over the Christians, which is just it's just so bizarre. It's and I don't think you can get past that. I, I mean, I think the only way is really through, you know, a, a generational change. Um, I mean, we, we have some people that are rising up. Uh, Blake, Blake Masters is running for Congress. Uh, I think he's America first. Uh, and I think he would be pretty good. And I, I don't think he would be bought by APAC. But, you know, that's one guy. That's that's one congressman. Like, it's going to take some time. <laughs> It's going to take a lot of time because we're really reliant on Gen Z with this. Um, and, and it's just, it's crazy. It really is a crazy phenomenon that a lot of people don't understand or appreciate. I mean, they can just essentially uh, execute you. They take away your social media, take away your credit cards. They take away all the services that you can get. And then so you're, you're barred from living in certain areas or you're barred from taking money out. Like, what what choice do you really have to to just you know acknowledge the power that exists but then don't acknowledge it it's a very weird thing absolutely you have to you either fall in line or you be quiet and if you don't fall in line you have consequences waiting on you and the fact that this can occur and people will watch it happen but yet still maintain the uh, understanding or the lack of understanding rather that they have is totally baffling and this is why i continuously state that we have to see the modern day media the modern day corporate media america for what it is and this is a tool of programming and propaganda this is why um media conglomerates have been consolidated over the course of time um due to ownership and why real news real facts real details aren't getting to the american public because a long time ago people realized how easy it is to train human beings and we're watching it take place today in real time um Brian, I want to thank you for coming out. I want to thank you for um, joining my show. I always want to talk to you after reading your articles and seeing you on your interviews. Um, I'm going to let you have the last word. If you have any um, comments that you want to say and tell the beautiful people how they can find you and where they can read you know, all of your work. Okay. Uh, well, uh, first I would say that, you know, I uh, don't have hope in media because I don't think it's going to get any better. Uh, I think it's going to be independent journalism that's going to rise up. Uh, I mean, I see a lot of people quoting Substacks, so I kind of see that as the future. Um, you know, uh, as regards to uh, corporate media, it's, it's just going to be like uh, <laughs> having like ads on like a channel or something. It's not going to be something that's going to be uh, entertainment anymore, especially the commentators. They're going to end up migrating to digital media, and that's just the way it's going to be. 
So you're going to see a lot of the, the corporate faces on like Rumble, YouTube, et cetera, rather than, you know, doing all their stuff uh, on TV. And Tucker was the first one to do that. I mean, maybe not the first one, but, you know, the most prominent one. Um, so I guess you can have hope in independent media and independent journalists uh, themselves. Um, as for me, uh, you guys can, you know, follow me on Twitter and, uh, there's a link tree, uh, on my page that goes to all my stuff, my website and all the articles that I've written and my Substack. If you want to subscribe to my Substack, I'd greatly appreciate it. We're always trying to build it. Um, yeah. And if you have any stories, you could throw my way, uh, because, uh, the, the amount of boring PR I get is, uh, um, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Very boring. <laughs> But uh, thanks a lot, Barrington. Thanks a lot for having me. No, anytime. You're almost. You're always uh, welcome back on my show. Beautiful people, you're listening to ATL Talks Radio, Atlanta's number one streaming talk radio station. This is the Barrington Report, and yes, I am Barrington Martin the second. I would like to thank you all for tuning in this wonderful, great, informative evening uh, with Brian Phil. Please catch him on Twitter. Please show him some support because we need all of the truth and honest secrets of our society to feel empowered or empowered excuse me and feel that they have a voice now beautiful people i hope you guys enjoy your weekend i hope you you guys go out and love on yourselves so that you can love on others i will see you all next thursday right here at seven o'clock atl talks radio twitter spaces at 7 p.m eastern thank you all for listening i will see you all next week peace